Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. In our lives, it can be difficult to step out in faith and to go where we are being called. Sometimes we've gathered the courage and we faced it head on. Other times we've turned away and ran. But there are some rare instances where the task seems too big to face, that it can't possibly be what God is calling us to because we're not the right person for the job. If you've ever been hesitant to step out in faith to do what God has put on your heart, the good news is you're not alone. In fact, you're in some pretty good company. Today, we're going to take a closer look at one of the most iconic Bible stories where fear takes over, Moses and the burning bush. Now, a little background on what's happening in Moses' life at the time. Moses had to flee Egypt because while under the care of Pharaoh's household, he killed an Egyptian taskmaster and, fearing for his life, fled into the land of the Midianites. He then married Zipporah and had children with her. So he's become pretty settled in his new life, and such a long time had passed that the previous Pharaoh had died. Now he's leading a quiet life and at this point. I mean, picture it. Sure, it's not a glorious life, but he has a family that he loves, a job that provides what he needs, and everything seems all right. Until all of a sudden, while he's out keeping watch of his flock, he sees that a bush is on fire but not being consumed. And of course, curiosity gets the better of him, and he decides to check it out. The story continues in Exodus 3. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see... God called, him, called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. God said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me, and I have seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now, as you see, God has seen and recognized the suffering of the Israelites under the Egyptians. So God's got a great plan to fix this problem. Awesome. Great. God continues. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this shall be a sign for you. That it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is this God's name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Then Moses answered, but look, they may not believe me or listen to me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. God said, throw it on the ground. So he threw the staff on the ground and it became a snake and Moses drew back from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and seize it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and he grasped it and it became a staff in his hand. 
so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside of your cloak. So he put his hand inside of his cloak. And when he took it out, his hand was diseased, as white as snow. Then God said, put your hand back into your cloak. So he put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his body. If they will not believe you or heed the first sign, they may believe the second sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to you, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it onto the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then Moses said to him, who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And God said, what of your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Even now he's coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, his heart will be glad. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people and he shall serve as a mouth for you and you shall serve as God for him. Take in your hand the staff with which you, will shall, which, which you shall perform the signs. All right, so a whole lot just happened in that story. So let's take a minute and break it down. Firstly, before we even get to Moses, I want you to see what God does when Moses is called to the bush. God lists out Moses' ancestors, and Moses recognizes this and even turns away because he's afraid that if he looks upon God, he might die. So Moses knows who God is and understands the great power that the Lord has. He, has, he hears this great plan and is like, awesome, that sounds great, God. Go ahead and end the suffering of your people. But then God turns around and says to Moses, you're the one who's going to do it. Oh, hold on a second. Take a minute and put yourself into Moses' sandals. You're just a shepherd. Your job is to lead sheep, not people. Your job is to stand up to the wolves, not to pharaohs. You're in charge of your family, not a nation. And to flesh it out a bit more. Remember that Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household, so there's a good chance that he knows the new Pharaoh, who is at this moment and place and time the most powerful man in the world. And now you're being told to go and demand, not ask, demand that he sets the Israelites free? People have been killed for much less than that. So at this point, I think Moses does what any one of us would do in this moment, make excuses. In fact, he doesn't give God just one, he gives five. The first one is, who am I? Which is valid. He's just a shepherd who had to flee his posh life because he murdered someone. But God quells that quickly. Don't worry about who you are, know who I am. Let me say that again. Don't worry about who you are, know who I am. Moses says, well, who are you? God says, I am who I am. And while that might not seem like that big of a deal, what's so cool about this phrase is that it can be translated from Hebrew into English into different tenses. So that means that this phrase could be, I was who I was, or I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. Basically, what God's saying here is, I was, 
I am who I was, am, and will be. I am the constant. I am. All right, all right. So it doesn't matter who I am. I know who you are. But now what if these people don't listen to me? What if they want proof? God gives Moses not one or just two signs, but three signs. And the people will know that Moses ain't the one doing these miracles, but God through Moses. So again, God says, don't worry about it. I got you. Then Moses says that he's inadequate. His faults are the reason why God can't use him. God shoots back. It doesn't matter. Am I not the one who is in control? Am I not the one who decides who is qualified and who is not? Then finally, we get to the heart of the issue. Moses gives up giving excuses and he says, just send someone else. Now, this is where God gets mad. If God wanted to send someone else, he would have. God knows about Moses' brother, Aaron. And if God wanted to send Aaron, Aaron would be the one at the burning bush. But it was Moses who was chosen. It was Moses who was called. And at the end of this exchange, God will hear no more excuses. And God says, take your staff and go. Moses gives excuse after excuse of why he can't do this seemingly impossible task. And eventually, he realizes that there's no escaping this. The call is too great. He must step out in faith and put his fears to the side and live out God's will for our life. How many of us have been in this boat? How many of us are still making excuses for why we can't do something that God has called us to do? I hear all types of excuses for why people can't serve. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I'm too busy. You see, when we make excuses, we become just like Moses in this story, who ultimately said to send someone else. When we don't step up to serve, we're saying that someone else can do it. But here's the truth. There is no one else. You're the person that needs to step up, no matter who you are or what you've done. Because just like Moses, it's not about who you are, but about who God is. And Moses probably didn't realize what he was doing. He wasn't just doubting himself, but doubting God's power. Moses allowed his self-doubt to create God-doubt. We know the great power of God. We know that God can do the impossible. But for some reason, when it comes to God using us, we go, no, I'm not so sure. And we continue to make excuses. So what's God calling you to? And if you haven't felt the pull on your life, you need to get busy and start praying. You need to find out where God can use you because I can promise you this. There is somewhere that you're needed. There is someone out there that needs you to step up. You must not let fear control your life, but allow faith to drive you. And my challenge for you is to look around you with an open heart. Look out into your community, your church, your families. Where are you needed? How have you been letting fear take over instead of living out of faith? If you have no idea, I have good news for you. That's what we're here for. We have a pretty cool tool, the ministry match quiz that will help guide you where you can help out in this church. If you need guidance, we're here to talk with you and to listen. You can set up an appointment and we'd be more than happy to help you and pray with you as you figure it out. Whatever you do, do not continue to allow your self-doubt to create God-doubt. And before we leave today, I'd like to share a story about someone who did something pretty comparable to Moses. This person is Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a German theologian, but he was so much more than that. Let's start at the beginning. 
1906, he was born into a large family. His dad was a psychiatrist and a neurologist, and his mom was a teacher. His siblings would go on to become lawyers, doctors, and scientists, but Bonhoeffer felt a pull towards theological study, which his family ridiculed him for, but he carried on. Now remember, if he was born in 1906, that means that he was just 12 when World War I ended in 1918. So during his formative teenage years, he sees the suffering that war has brought, not only on the nations and people around Germany, but within Germany itself. And eventually, he completed his education and started teaching in 1931. Now this is where things get interesting. On January 30th, 1933, German President Paul von Hindenburg appointed a new chancellor of the German parliament, Adolf Hitler. On February 1st, 1933, just two days after Hitler was installed as chancellor, Bonhoeffer delivered a radio address in which he attacked Hitler and warned Germany against slipping into an idolatrous cult of the Führer, which means leader, who could very well turn out to be the Verführer, which means misleader or seducer. His broadcast was abruptly cut off. Overnight, he went from being a professor to a radical leader of Christian resistance of the Nazi party. He and other theologians, such as Karl Barth, spoke out against Christian churches that supported Hitler and the Nazi party. Through his work in the Confessing Church, Bonhoeffer encouraged pastors, parishioners, and lay people to halt services at churches who would not condemn the actions of the Nazi party. He continued to speak out against the great injustices that were befalling the Jewish people throughout Europe and other victims of concentration camps. He was even accused of being involved in a plot to assassinate Hitler, which was really just a reason to get him arrested. And he was sent to prison for a year until he was moved to Flossenburg concentration camp in 1945, where ultimately he suffered and was put to death. Who was he? Who was he that he should stand up against Hitler, other church leaders, a whole nation? Why didn't his fear get the best of him? You see, Bonhoeffer understood something that Moses initially didn't, that we forget time and time again. It doesn't matter who we are. We know who God was, is, and will be. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come and examine our lives. I pray that as we search within ourselves and look out into our communities, our families, our church, that we see the opportunities where we can step up and, and, and uh, use our talents to do your kingdom work. I pray that you don't allow our fear to take over, but you, you drive us through our faith. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the grace, hope, and love that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.